This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Today we have Mark Belusis from WFAN Sports Radio 66. The fan, W. Okay, um, I can't believe we have Mark Belusis on. I've listened to a lot of him in the, over my lifetime. Big WFAN guy here. So is Greg. That's part of the reason this podcast started. We can talk about that on the show. Uh, the duality of man and the duality of Ranger fan is rather what I should talk about. The horrible loss for the versus the Islanders and the amazing win versus the Islanders two days later. Who knew? Should we fire Quinn or extend him? Who knows? Talk about all that and more. And I just want to wish a very happy birthday to the captain himself, Mark Messier, as we're recording this. Happy birthday, Mark. Come on the show. But if you're not going to come on the show, at least introduce us. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bushwick fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of The Athletic, and I'm here with my co-host, a man who needs an introduction, Greg Kaplan, also of The Athletic. Greg, say hello. 25 minutes on Joey Lucchesi. Yeah, baby. Two Razor games down, and let's talk about a Mets trade where they trade their 14th outfielder or something. <laughs> <laughs> what about Kevin Smith, Greg? What about him? <laughs> oh, God. Don't, don't even bring that name up with me. I'm still bitter about it. Yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get straight to the Ranger stuff. I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about this week, especially um, we had two games that were literally the complete opposite. Maybe the worst game the Rangers ever ever played, as we talked about on our BSBOT. If you haven't listened to that, you can hear our instant reaction also on this feed. And maybe the one of the best games the Rangers have ever played uh, at under David Quinn. And I have to tell you, Greg, the, the reaction that was, please fire David Quinn. This guy is a bum immediately after the first game was some of the funniest, like just some of the most overreaction I've, I've seen from the Ranger fan base. Like, look, listen, I know there's good reasons you, sh- you could just want to move on from David Quinn, but they're not because like he hasn't provided results somehow and i don't know how this is possible and i want you to correct me if i'm wrong because this is what you do so well greg i just feel Mm. like quinn doesn't get credit sometimes for the things that have happened correctly for this team like there's been good development there's been moves forward except he only gets criticized and that's it or is that just a coach's job no i i think it for some reason it's unique to david quinn i uh Yeah, I, I feel like we we harp a lot about the things he does wrong because they're so easy to talk about. The, you know, Man Rocket getting so many chances in this yeah. lineup up and down it. Um, maybe overprotecting of certain players when it feels like... See, when when you're a really young team, I, I think the the common, not so much a problem, but common mind trap that the fan base falls into is that your young players just need all of the ice time in the world. Just keep playing the babies. And we've said that a couple times. Yeah, it's no doubt about it. It's it's true to a certain extent, but I, I think David Quinn understands that unlimited ice time doesn't necessarily equate to results. And 
Look, the Rangers lost a horrific game on opening night. We did a BSBOT on Dude, it. Dude, not just we lost. If, embarrassed. Yeah, it, I, I believe friend of the show, Rob Luker, said of the, the last, like, 293 regular season games the Rangers have played, it was their fifth worst or something like that by, like, XG and all those figures. Sure, by numbers we don't understand. Yeah, if you wanted to be angry about David Quinn after that one game, sure, fine. What am I going to tell you in that moment that's going to change your mind? There's a lot of confirmation bias that goes on with everything that we do. But then you see how the Rangers play on Saturday, and you can't just say, for, if, if you want to blame Thursday on David Quinn, you can't then turn around and say, well, Quinn had nothing to do with how well the Rangers played on Saturday. Right, it's, I- those I, things you you can't you can't believe one and not believe the other. And I saw some people say like, "Hey, this is like gambler's gambler's fallacy." Just because you made the right like the you still made the wrong decision, but you got the right outcome doesn't mean it's correct. And while that's partially true, and I'm sure like Jack Johnson's on the team and he played, like you have to give, give quick credit. Panarin came out after the game like, "Yeah, we had some harsh words in the locker room. We talked things out. We're better now." Like that's Panarin. He's the best player on the team. He's the like one of the de facto leaders of this team. And he was like, yeah, Quinn talked to us. We talked about things out in the locker room, and we feel a lot better. And guess what? They came out and kicked ass. They just destroyed the whole game. Everybody, Panarin, two points. Buchnevich, two, uh, three points. Sorry. Sorry, Buch. Not, not trying to reduce your next contract there, bud. And the Lord and Savior himself, Kapokako, scores on a, an amazing one-timer. Like, just an absolute demolition of, of a goalie that should not have been starting for the New York Islanders in Sorokin. I almost feel bad for him. That that was his first start. Um, but I I benefited from it greatly, so I don't feel that bad. But Quinn gets a bad rap here, man. He He's done a lot for this team. Like, if you're out there saying, like, fire him, like, he have you met Ryan Lindgren? Have you met Adam Fox? Have you met Tony D'Angelo? Like, I, I, know, I know people don't like Tony D'Angelo, but, guys, he had a record year last year. He became a, a valued asset. He was almost out of the league. Trust me. We were podcasting about Tony D'Angelo like three years ago. We were like, do you think he stays in the league a little longer? He's getting benched again. And Quinn made him a starter. Ryan Strom, year, career year. This guy, he gets people to play. Is he the perfect coach? Probably not. Is there better options out there? Yeah, but he's going to coach Seattle and Gallant. So what, what, are we, what are we doing? Why are we trying to fire the guy to the sun after game one? I don't understand. I don't get it. Well, it's it's not just it's not just all of that. It's just for for every criticism you want to lay at David Quinn's feet, you have to then give him praise. Could another coach have gotten Pavel Buchnevich to this point in his career? We don't know. We just know that David Quinn did. Well, we could know, another coach right, have gotten? Cut you off, kind of, and I'm going to do it. You know what we I'll do? do you know what we do know? Elaine Vigneault didn't do shit for that kid. Actually, mm-hmm, it was re- it was reported multiple times that he would blatantly ignore Pavel Buchnevich in the locker room. He wouldn't talk to him. He would purposely not give him ice time. There was a lot of dirty stuff that came out once AV left about Pavel Buchnevich. But David Quinn comes in, takes who, and I, I'm not trying to be mean here, Buchnevich is not exactly the most social guy. He, he's a little bit out there. He's a little bit of a, 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 a quirky personality. And David Quinn takes him under his arms and develops him into a, a bona fide, like, top, you know, top six right winger. Like, he's no joke. Buchnevich is, is a re- the real deal now, and that happened under David Quinn. But we give him no credit for that? Like, zero? None? Like, what What am I doing here? Yeah, and people, even even in the victory, people were like, well, he's not giving Capococco the ice time. He didn't give Capococco the ice time because he gave more ice time to Alexi Lafreniere. It, again, it's it's... Like, people get upset about who Quinn has on the second power play unit. Guys, we've all seen enough Ranger games at this point. We all know power plays last two minutes. We know if the Rangers' power play is working, the first unit is on the ice for a minute to a minute and a half. Like, I'm not really worried about who's actually skating on the second power play unit. Do I think Kabakaka should be on the second or the yeah. first power play unit? I think you could make an argument. You could take Strom off of that, and you could put Capo or Heedle up there, and you can create more interesting offensive sets. But I'm not going to worry about it. It's the second game of the season. And oh, by the way, the Rangers dominated a better team. A better team. Well, that was the a- teams did not magically change between Thursday and Saturday. They were the same players, with the exception of the goaltenders. It is and Tony, and Tony D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Yeah, Tony. Yeah, they, <laughs> the Islanders. The Islanders are still a better, superior team than the New York Rangers. And the New York Rangers, again, in the same 294 game sample size that our friend Rob Luker used, that was the fourth best game that they've played 
in the in that time frame. Fourth best. And they're doing it without a preseason. They're doing it with uh, an unusual practice schedule. They're doing it against a superior team. I I can't I can't believe we started this podcast with complaints about it's insane. this team's performance on Saturday. I thought we were going to have a really just no nonsense positive vibe going into the show. I can't believe people are still crying foul <laughs> about David Quinn. I really can't. I really can't. And, and I said this. I don't last... want to be that Ryan. guy that rides his jock strap either. I'm not. I seriously am not. I like him. I'm not in love with David Quinn. Do I think he's the long term solution? I don't know. I really can't figure that out. But the fact that after one fucking game where there was no practice, no nothing in ten days, and yeah, he didn't have them prepared for for the Carolina series, but I, I honestly can't blame him that either. I don't know if you remember the first half of this year. It was, or last year, it was terrible. Like, there wasn't a lot to be to be done there. Yes, I get it. But David Quinn, like, it was one game, guys. He's notoriously shown this. We've covered him every single week for the past, since he's been here. He, he disciplines guys, and then he gets performances out of them afterwards. Do we think the Quinn bin is dumb? Yeah, I think we do. I think Greg and I can say it's stupid. It's probably not a modern idea, but it, it's... It's worked more than it hasn't, Greg. Am I wrong? No, and I want to go back to when the Rangers first hired David Quinn. And the thing we bemoaned the most about the entire process and about this process every time we talk about NHL head coaching changes, we're sick and tired of retread hires, right? Mm -hmm. So whether we liked the David Quinn hiring or not, whether he was our first choice, both of us were just happy the Rangers were trying something different. And now we're three plus years removed from that. And everyone just wants the retread coach back, the known quantity. Like Gerard, as much as I like Gerard Gallant, let's let's be honest about his track record here, Ryan. It's not exactly there's a reason why he's unemployed. Well, like, I understand he's that most let's, NHL teams let's not kid ourselves here, Greg. That guy's working he's for Seattle. He's, he's a, a Seattle, Seattle coach. coach. Like Okay, but oh, fine, I'll use Bruce Boudreaux yeah, there you go. as the example. We've had the twins on multiple times. And while I think they liked Bruce Boudreaux, the personality, Bruce Boudreaux, the coach wore out his welcome. And it's, he's got an old way of doing things. I'm, I'm tired. I'd rather, I'd rather fail with something new than not grow with something. I've old. seen some Mike Babcocks. I've seen some stuff that no, I was I'm like, good. I'm good. I'm there, good. Man. Guys. I don't need that shit in my life. I like have, I have, there's never been a slight by any player except for maybe Leah Sanderson against David Quinn. And I would understand why Leah didn't like Quinn. I get it. <laughs> he didn't get it. I still don't think Leah's got a fair shake. I'll die on that hill. But we'll see what happens with him in LA. It's it's past it's past our time at this point. But Quinn, it seems like he's ever, liked by everybody else. Seems like he gets along. Seems like he, maybe he's not the best X's and O guy and he still has to learn that. I get it. Maybe he's not the guy that takes him to the cup. Maybe he's not the guy that makes the deep playoff runs. But I have not decided that yet. I really haven't. I, I, I'm, I've not made up my mind, but the Rangers came out and they kicked ass. Panarin looked like his old self. Bucetevich looks like dominant. Mika's a Benajad. Chris Kreider on the PK looked awesome. Kapokako got nine minutes of ice time, but guess what? They were on the power play for half the game and he's not on the second power play. So that's why exactly like in the first game, like why did Kako get no ice time? Well, they were on the penalty kill for nine minutes or that's even like generous. I think they're on the penalty kill for like 17 minutes in game one. So I'm not freaking out yet. And you know I wanted to defend Kako with the best of them. And he had the best game of his freaking career <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, and he had like a, a, I don't know anything of the stats, but like the expected goals for or whatever was like 98%. Like that's, that he's usually in like the negative 7,000. And he was one of the top three players for New York Rangers. So what am I complaining about yet? Like let, let's see what happens with the Devils. Let's see what happens the rest of this, these next couple weeks. And then we'll... Make an actual like evaluation of David Quinn at the end of the season. There's, he's not going anywhere. We're not firing him. It's not time to get somebody new in here to light a fire under these kids' ass. I feel like they, they're playing for him. I'm not worried about it yet. I want to pull up the uh, ice time numbers from sure. Saturday. So bear with me yeah, here. Go ahead. I, I remember seeing online. Yeah, Kabukak only played ten uh, just short of 11 minutes. Sure. Because, again... All, he had all but three seconds of his ice time at five on five. He wasn't on the PK. He wasn't on the power play. Uh, and the Rangers, meanwhile, in comparison, Artemi Panarin had seven and a half minutes on the power play. The Rangers had ample power play opportunities. That's why Kapokako didn't play more minutes. Not because David Quinn didn't want to play Kapokako. It's because David Quinn didn't have Kapokako on a power play unit, and the Rangers were constantly on the power play. Guys, it's just it, sometimes – 
there's nothing wrong with Kabukako getting 10 and a half minutes on a Saturday and playing balls out in those 10 and a half minutes and having the best game that he's had since he's been a professional in the NHL. No, that's like, good, man. That's that how you doesn't, build confidence. That doesn't mean, it's that doesn't that. mean, this is, this is again, like the gambler's fallacy. It's like, well, if he was good in those 10 and a half minutes, he would have been good in 15 and a half Are we minutes. sure? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know. There's no way to know. Guys, it's just, if you're going to complain after a 5 nothing win, what, what are we, when are we going to stop complaining? Well, let's like, say, what are we doing? Let's say Come some on, more nice things. We could say more nice things. Lafreniere looks like he's been in the league for like 19 years already. Except he looks for, like a pro. Except for, his, like a, except for his post-game celebration where he can't hold a stick with two with one hand. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but but it, he's, 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 he's a growing boy. He still needs to drink more milk. Yeah, he'll get there. He's got that, that good French-Canadian milk. He'll get it. But that, just, that, that's it. Like He looks like he's been on the ice for 15 years, man. He's, he's, Panarin's mentoring him already. By the way, can we, just, can we out this secret that Panarin can probably speak very good English at this point? Like, he definitely can. And I know he speaks in Russian to the media, and I get it, but he's hiding. I don't believe him. He can speak English. <laughs> Come on the That's podcast. Fun. I don't I don't care. Look, I can't speak a second language, so Neither. I'm not going to ask anyone else to. Uh, I, <laughs> while we're talking about good vibes and good energies. Sure. Uh, nicest. Let, let's let's keep the Jack Johnson train rolling. Oh, yeah. Nicest thing we could ever say about the man. Didn't fucking notice him one, well, <laughs> once on Saturday. Okay. I did, beautiful. Hand up. Hand up. Did notice him one time. Sam said, and Johnson completes a pass, and I went nice. Like this, this game's a win. Like this is a big dub for the Rangers. That was when it was like one nothing. Like he didn't notice him, and and let's yeah. keep the train running, buddy. You know why we didn't notice him? Because Adam Fox is a goddamn legend. Yeah, he's a legend, bro. Like I, yeah. I, he's. I can't believe how good Adam Fox is. It's almost silly. Uh, I know that Tony D'Angelo probably has a fight to, re- or rather, has a claim to come back on the first power play because of his record last year but adam fox running the power play is so silky smooth it's just beautiful the way he facilitates and like is actually generating pressure and opportunity for other players on the ice when he's out there is is tremendous it's it's a beautiful thing to watch it reminds me of when the first or second time when kevin shattenkirk first got here and we hadn't seen a like a silky power play in a long time with a quarterback it's just it's that but honestly greg it's better it's a lot better and I, I just don't want Adam Fox giving up that opportunity, and I hope he keeps it and retains it that way because he's that kind of player. He's that special. Well, I think it's it, it. I think it goes one step further than that. It's there's a Tony D'Angelo conversation that we've had on this podcast that we'll continue to have on this podcast until there's long term resolution. Is Tony D'Angelo individually a better player than the likes of Ryan Lindgren, Brendan Smith? Yes. Yeah. I, I think if, if you were to stack those two up, that stack those three guys up, talent-wise, Tony's talent would win out. But, and we've seen this before in other sports, it's not just hockey. It just works better when Brendan Smith is on Keandre Miller's pair and when Ryan Lindgren is with Jacob Truba. That frees up, look, if you're going to have Jack Johnson, should, should Tony be in instead of Jack Johnson? Sure, because Adam Fox is undefeated and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. You can make that argument. But if Tony D'Angelo is coming back into this lineup, it can't be at the cost of Brendan Smith. It's a ridiculous thing to say. It's But it's the truth. But my man, Keandre you Miller know, you know I've been better with Brendan Smith. Oh, Keandre Miller looked amazing. Like like, yeah. like he was in the league again for like 10 years in that game. Yeah, but say, say, say something were to happen, right? And Tony D'Angelo were never to come back into this lineup. Are the New York Rangers significantly worse without Tony D'Angelo? This is the point we've made multiple times. They're not. And why aren't they? Because Adam Fox is superhuman. They have him, Truba, and even Keandre Miller if they want to try him out on the power play. They have options. They to did run try him a little bit on the second power play. Just a very little bit for Keandre Miller, but still an exciting try. Right, right yeah, that. It, what, what Tony brings to the lineup, which is high-octane offense at the, uh, at the expense of some of your defense, it, that only works if you need offense. But the New York Rangers have a top-class offense in it's terms of their forwards a lot of skill. and even some of their defensemen. Yeah. So at that point, not only is Tony a redundancy, he's a luxury you don't need. And the lineup works a little bit better without him. Now, of course, had Tony played on Saturday, would the Rangers still have put this performance up? Maybe, because they were so pissed off about how they looked on Thursday, and they were tired of hearing about how shitty they played. That's possible that Tony was going to step his game up if he played Sunday, 100%. What we know is the lineup that the Rangers ran out on Saturday shouldn't be trifled with until it proves it can't do the job. If the Rangers win the next 54 games, they're not going to, but imagine they did, 
and they never put Tony back in, and Kako never moved off the third line. Nobody got better, more power play times. If the Rangers just rattled off 54 straight wins, people would complain. <laughs> they really would. They'd, 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 they'd bitch and moan about something Quinn did, and they'd be like, well, it was all luck anyway. Sooner or later, it's going to come back to bite him. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, guys, the lineup worked. It's not going to change. It shouldn't change until it doesn't work again. This is – you go back to 2015, Ryan. This mm-hmm. is going to stun you. I'm going to connect this to the New York Wow. Kids. It's going to blow your mind. Oh, my God. Really? It's going to fucking blow your mind. Oh, my God. This is going to blow your mind. I've never done this before. This, this is, is the first time, time first in time? podcast history. Okay. 2015, you may remember, the Mets offense fucking sucked. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, It was terrible. It got to a point where Terry Collins got tired of everybody's shit. I think it was about late May, early June. And he said, fuck it. If you hit the day before, I'll keep you in the lineup. I don't give a shit about who you are. He even meant that about like the Daryl Sicilianis of the world that he was putting in his lineup. If you hit the day before, you're playing the next day. I don't care what your name is. And you know what Mets fans did? They fucking ate it up because we were tired of seeing – awfulness on a daily basis if someone got a hit one day he was in the lineup the next day we accepted that as fact we didn't care who anybody's name was at that point in time that's essentially what david quinn is doing now if you play well i'm going to keep playing you and ranger fans are like well that doesn't sound right to me what why not it sounds great <laughs> what are we doing oh yeah listen don't you want to win like yes yes ryan how many times on this podcast do you and i talk about the rangers needing to develop a young talent we get that but how many times do people then yell at us saying well, it's about wins and losses. Stop throwing this development. Oh, okay, fine. Now, this is about wins and losses. The Rangers are opening up a window in the next year where they need to worry about wins. David Quinn is starting to bring that mentality to the team right now. And now you're going to complain that the Rangers are trying to prioritize winning too much? Come on, guys. We're better than this. It's been a very long pandemic. It's mid-January. <laughs> Go outside, socially distant, get some air, then come back inside and enjoy watching good hockey. I don't care that Kako played 10 and a half minutes. That was a fun fucking game. Great. I'd do that all over again. You know, and, and it is a little bit, I don't want to say it's a fluke, and I'm not discrediting anybody on that team, but to have Sorokin uh, have his first start with only 10 minutes of prep time, of course. Goalies are weird creatures. We all know that. Like, And we'll see, the, the real, uh, not a real test, but let's see what happens exactly against New Jersey. We'll, we'll be recording later this week. We'll have a reaction for the New Jersey game. Don't you worry. It'll be happening for us. The, and we'll see if Jack Hughes actually shows up to, to actually play against Kapokako. I wonder if something happens before the game. We have to sit out. Who knows? You know, it's just been a lot of ducking over the years. I'm not just really saying anything, but okay. Uh, but this, this is a team like Georgiev should start again. Brendan Smith should start again. It's not a big deal. It has to happen. I want Igor to play. Yeah, I think Igor had the best colder odds other than Lafreniere this year. It's probably not going to happen now. <laughs> a lot of four goals, and now Georgiev's going to at least start do, get another start. I know he's going to have a lot of chances here. But Georgiev, when you have a shutout, you can't take that goalie out. It's just, you just can't do it. He, I, he plays really well, and Georgiev plays well against two teams, the Islanders and the Leafs. And we're not playing the Leafs this year, so at least he plays well against the Islanders. And that's exactly it. Uh, I think that's. Yeah, I, I don't know. I it, that, it is. It is seven. what it is. The Rangers won. Let, let, <laughs> they played amazing. It was a great game to watch, and I was side eyeing football the entire time. Well, and that, I was like, "Wait a second, are the Rangers terrible. actually going to fucking do this?" So, the the Bills game. Which what? The which game? Uh, the Ravens. Uh, Bills game, I believe. Was that like three three at like in the third quarter? Yeah, it wasn't that great of a game, but I. My our our friend Pete was over and he's a big Bills fan. Got it, got it. Go, go Bills. That's all I'll say. I'm happy. I'm rooting for the Bills. Happy happy for them. I'm a big Josh Allen guy, as you know. Uh, so th- this is this is where we go from here. It's um, it's gonna be a long season. We still have a lot of time left. A ton of time left. And listen, we'll get we'll get these Jack Johnson jokes off, but I would like to ignore them. I really would. Right, but we're not going to. That's where we're at. We'll see Lindy Ruff and the Devils for the first time, and Jack Hughes, who had a oh, tremendous. I gotta say, the Devils. I watched. Uh, our friend Jeff was also in town this weekend, mm-hmm. so I watched both Devils games. They they gave the Bruins a really fucking difficult time. Yeah, I it it blew my mind. I was ready for them to get destroyed by the Bruins, and all of a sudden, Lindy Ruff is like, "Hey, by the way, I remembered how to coach." It's like what. Why did, why did you do this? Why now? <laughs> you dick. This is unbelievable. Well, this is what's going to happen. You know what? Can we just make this connection to the dot now? Let's let's predict this. So let's say Lindy Ruff like, does well. Does okay. You know, it gets the New Jersey Devils above expectations. It's reasonable and could happen. People are going to blame David Quinn. And they're going to say, hey, when Ruff was here, he didn't get to do all this stuff. How come he's doing it now? He's away from the organization. Quinn's the head coach. Blah, 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 blah. Never Say that to me ever, anybody ever, I will block you. 
<laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's it, Ruff was here. It was in charge of the defense, in charge of the defensive system. I don't know what, maybe it's something different with the head coach. Maybe he learned something during the pandemic. And maybe he did a lot of film review during quarantine. But it is not the, it's not a Neil Pionk leave the Ranger and get better situation. It is just not. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, you also have to remember the talent that Lindy is working with on the Devils. They, they don't have guys like Mark Stahl and Jack Johnson that Lindy Ruff has to lean on. He has essentially a lot of children in PK Subban. Yeah. I don't know. It worked against the Bruins. We'll see if it works the rest of the season. Yeah. Play, play the Rangers tonight if you're listening to this. So it should be a, a quite the start. Uh, we have a, a, a wonderful guest coming up, Mark Malusis from WFAN. Uh, I've been a big WFAN boy. Oh, he's on right now. So I guess let's just transition at this moment. That was a perfect time. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest and only guest of the day. We have uh, someone I've listened to a lot over the years, Mark Malusis from WFAN, the Moose. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. You got it, Ryan. Greg, how you guys doing? All right? Doing all right. Uh, it's been a, a long time coming for New York Ranger hockey. We are finally back. We got a ping pong ball to fall our way. Uh, and then we've experienced the duality of fandom within the first two games, which was the absolute worst loss possible and then the elation of the best win possible. Uh, so with that, I, I will take ask you just right off the rip, uh, how do you handle irrational fans? Uh, well, it, well, how irrational are we talking about? I mean, so, I mean, are you talking about like the fans that were overreacting to game one or now the overreaction after what you saw in game two? I, get, so, I have a perfect follow-up. So like, is there ever an irrational good? Like, is there ever someone that's just too happy? Does that ever happen? Um, well, I mean, listen, I, I think there's a, there's an essence of, of positive thought, um, that whatever you put out there comes back to you. So I do think, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to be positive, but I think sometimes we do live in the world when you're in sports talk of, of the overreaction of the hot take of, you know, not necessarily being right, but being for, I mean, they're, they're, all of that comes into play on what, how sports is covered um, in, in, you know, in, in the modern era. So that's all different now. So when you look at a rational thought, I mean, I was certainly disappointed with the Rangers performance game one. Uh, the Islanders played them off the feet, off the uh, skated them off their feet. Uh, Shesterkin struggled in nets. They didn't generate much of a rush. They were taking too many penalties, uh, you know. But the the Islanders carried the play, and then you see, you know, the the benching at D'Angelo, and you see the change in the netminder and Georgiev going in, and uh, he played really, really well. And you saw Butchnevich have himself a game, and um, you know the Rangers playing more up to what you expect them to be. I think Capo Caco has looked really good, so. Now listen, the Rangers are not a team that are going to dominate five nothing. Nor are they a team that's going to get dominated five nothing more often than not. It's a you know it's a building block type of a year with high expectations because they've got a lot of dynamic young talent. But that dynamic young talent's going to need some time in order to develop, gain experience, and then they'll be better off for it. Mark, one thing we talked about a lot before you jumped on with us is we've covered the Rangers on a weekly basis for the last five years. Yeah, and never have we've seen it. It, it, it the even the cries for Elaine Vigneault to be removed. I don't think I've ever seen it get as loud as it did after Thursday with David Quinn, which felt a little ridiculous. And even after the game Saturday, we were still seeing complaints about certain players' ice time, his deployment of the young players like Kako. You've been around the block a lot here in New York. I understand that calling for coach's head is a Tradition unlike any other for us New York sports fans. Do we are we going overboard with David Quinn? You know, it, it's a great question because I, you know, I was I was texting with uh, Brian Monzo, who you guys know from the fan, and he's a huge Ranger fan, and you know, uh, one of my best friends, and and produces uh, the show that I do uh, in middays with with Maggie every single day on Monday through Friday on the fan, and you know, I was texting with him about his thoughts on Quinn and. You know, uh, Liz, I, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on him this year. Um, I think where you look at this team where you want the coach to be just as dynamic, especially offensively, to match where this team is. And that's why they decided to go into the college ranks and, and, and dip in there because they wanted to have a coach that have a, have a team that's going to develop right before your very eyes. And, and those are the positivities where you look at Quinn, right? Communication, accountability, being tough, uh, holding guys accountable for how they – uh, handle themselves on the ice, uh, being a disciplinarian, all of those things. But with that, as this team grows, I think Quinn also, as a coach, is going to have to grow. So I was not one where 
I looked at it after game one where I was thinking about Quinn, whether or not the Rangers need to move in another direction, nor do I think, you know, all of my questions I have as Quinn as head coach of the Rangers were answered after game two. This year there's expectations, you know, Greg, more so than anybody else. When you have the talent that this team does have in net, at the forward position, defense, all the young assets that this team does have. And Gordon and Davidson and their scouting department, they've done a wonderful job of drafting. And there's a lot of what they expect to be impact players on this team and impact players that are already here, like Panarin, Zibanejad. Those guys are impact players, and they're great players uh, for this team. Well, with all that come expectations. So you want to see this team get better. You want to see this team be a lot more dynamic offensively. Alexei Lafreniere, when you win the lottery, when he steps in and he's starting game one and he's competed, you know, the great Quebec hope and considered to be the, you know, the, one of the better prospects to come into the NHL draft in recent memory, a guy that's set to do, come into the National Hockey League and be a really good player. Well, you expect to see that as this season does go along. So I think there's expectations on Quinn and there's pressure on Quinn this year for this team to develop get better as the season goes along and start to show the promise that we have for this organization, for this group about being a, you know, not only a playoff contender, but a Stanley cup contender in the not so distant future. And for years to come. Well, that that brings me to like, just to follow up on Quinn, like this year. And I think we can agree. It's kind of a free roll for him. Like this is the, the, this is the year where it's like, Hey, show me what you can actually do. See if we can make a playoff push. If we don't make it, it's fine. We get one more card off the top of the deck. And then, at the beginning of next year, we all just open the window together. And that's when it starts. This is when the kids have to become adults. It starts next year. This is still your last year. So you're not going to go out and get a coach like Gallant. You're not going to go out and get a coach that like a Mike Babcock or anything like that. We're not trying to move on just yet. We still have to see what, what, what Quint's made of. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, no, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that, Ryan, but you want to see that, right? Yeah. I mean, you want to see the questions you have about Quinn, that you and Greg and you guys do, do this twice a week, that you have conversations <laughs> and you're you Ranger fans, right? So the questions you have about Quinn as a coach for this Ranger team of, about being the answer, by the end of the year, you want to have less and less questions and some of those questions be answered to the positive where you say, yes, he can handle this, or if I have a reservation about this, or you know, you want to see some of those questions be answered to where, yes, you look at the talent on this team and you want to make sure you have the coach that not only is developing that talent, but taking that talent and giving them the necessary, you know, necessary toolage to be able to take it to the, their games to another level. Do you have any issues with Quinn after practice today saying, look, it works so well Saturday, we're just rolling the same exact lineup come Tuesday? Does that bother you at all? Did did you want to see someone like D'Angelo come back in the lineup? Anything, yeah, that, any change you wanted to make? Well, listen, I, I think we've we've all had enough of Jack Johnson, have we not? I mean, yes. he's not a particularly <laughs> we, good defenseman. No. I mean, I, I know I saw your tweets earlier today and saying don't uh, don't worry, the Jack Johnson quotes are coming. I mean, he stinks. I mean, Jack Johnson's not a good defenseman. So D'Angelo is a good player, and listen, I I understand in game one he took a bad penalty. I, I get it. I I understand that, and you want to hold him accountable for that. And he won a Benjamin game too, but you mean to tell me that this this Ranger team is not better off without Tony D'Angelo on the ice uh, as one of your top six defensemen? I say that's nonsense. I mean, I don't mind him rolling back with what after what your gift did in Nets, right? And after Shesterkin struggled game one, I don't mind that. That that doesn't bother me because I, I think the Rangers have got really two. I know Shesterkin has got the higher upside according to some scouts, and and he was brilliant last year. Um, you know, before he got hurt. Um, you know, I, I get all that, but results are results. So I don't mind rewarding the netminder. And he's been, he's been good when given the opportunity, really good. And at times he's been brilliant. D'Angelo though has got to play. And I know he's a, you know, he's a free spirit. And sometimes he can rub the organization a little bit of a wrong with the way he, that he plays on the ice and he freestyles a little bit, but you know, he's got to be in the lineup. Um, so that aspect of it does bother me because I would. I don't mind rolling back with the goalie. I do. Rem- I do. I, I am bothered with the fact that D'Angelo, if he indeed is not in the starting lineup Tuesday night. Well, Mark, we could put you in the lineup in front of Jack Johnson. That's it's just better. Like he's statistically oh, he's- and analytically the worst player in the NHL, and was the moment that Gordon signed him. It's so funny because people are saying like, "Hey, Quinn, like, why why are you playing Jack Johnson? Hey, guys, Gordon gave him Jack Johnson." He didn't call Jack Johnson up and say, hey, I need you to play for this team. Come out come out of retirement. We need you, buddy. We need you to open this window for us. Gordon signed him for above the minimum. Above. 
to pe- to play Jack Johnson. So he's got him. He's going to try and get what he has out of him, grit or whatever you want to call it. He stinks. But I agree with you on the, the Tony point. Should he be back? Yes. Is it the end of the world? No. It, the, the discipline is over for Tony. I feel like it's still sending a message, even though Quinn said that. But it's, it's just a, a moot point for me at this point. But to Georgiev, as you were speaking about, We've heard such mixed things when it comes to Georgiev. You know, you say you, Igor has the higher pedigree, and he does. We have some people tell us, like, he's just an above-average goaltender. But then we have other people tell us, like, we think this guy's a legit starter of the NHL, and Gorton obviously treats him as such because he was in trade packages up to the Toronto Maple Leafs and rumors and all this stuff, like, and they were going to trade him for, like, legit assets. Like, how does a team handle in this situation having these legit, like, this is a quarterback situation. Like, if you have two goalies, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Is this the same thing for the Rangers? Well, yeah, and and if you want to steal that old lot, you know, from the National Football League, sometimes when you say you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. I don't think it necessarily that's, you know, the same comparison when you look in the, when you look in the NHL and you look at two goalies. You could have two really good, talented dynamic netminders and there could be guys where scouts might look at them as you know when when you look at the rangers backup goalie and say well there's a limit to his potential he but when he goes out and plays he plays really well and you know so i don't care where he is physically you know what he's really effective so i i don't mind that that does not bother me you know because i i think the better i think the better goalie deserves to play and i think ultimately it's going to be shesterkin and he's going to be the guy in net, but he was terrible game one. I mean, he really was. I mean, he was getting beat glove side, and the Rangers played an awful game. They weren't quick to the puck. They got skated. The, the, the Islanders' pressure was consistent. They were on loose pucks. They had odd man rushes. I mean, the Rangers' game one performance, I couldn't wait for their opening night, but their game one performance last Thursday night was pathetic. I mean, it just was. Uh, and now they were better in game two, and you expect them to be better in game two. Ultimately, I do think this is going to be Shesterkin's team. But until he figures it out and shows you the form and the promise that we have already seen from him on the NHL level, uh, I don't mind if you ride the hot hand in net if you're Quinn. Mark, one thing Ryan and I have talked a lot about since we've started doing this pod is, is how hockey and the New York Rangers are covered in general by New York media. You're yeah. a big Ranger guy. I know you're not the only big Ranger guy at WFAN, yeah. but I also know that when you fire up with Maggie tomorrow at 10 a.m., you're going to get 16 guys asking you if Joey Lucchesi is the second coming of a prime Jamie Moyer, and there's not going to be a whole <laughs> lot of hockey talk. How do, how do we get the Rangers more airtime on New York radio? What do we got to yeah, do? Yeah, you know what? I, I think they've got to be a legit Stanley Cup contending team, playoff team, dominant team. I mean, I, you know, when, when I grew up, and, you know, I'm older than you guys, so when I grew up and – you know, when when I was going to Ranger games with my dad, um, you know, uh, and we'd go to like eight to ten home games a year. And, you know, my dad's a huge hockey fan, huge Ranger fan. We watch Ranger games every single night when they were on. Uh, when they had Messier and they had Kovalev and they had Leach and then Beesbrook and Richter and Nets. I mean, it was, you know, there was a, a lot of buzz around this Ranger team. And, you know, it's been a while. Um, you know, the, the Devils have a, a small to medium fan base. It's not significant. The Islanders have got a huge fan base. You know that. The Islanders-Rangers rivalry is great. You know, you could talk a little hockey when, and we did when, you know, when when they were in the bubble, we did when the Rangers won the the lottery and Alexei Lafreniere, when, and that was fantastic. That night when they won the lottery and NHL draft night was fantastic as well. But, you know, it just doesn't for the masses sometimes when it's not a huge storyline around the team. You know, and you've got other big storylines. It unfortunately does get buried. Um, and uh, I'd love to talk a little bit more about it. We will on the midday show talk a little bit more hockey uh, when the time does present itself. And hopefully, with this Ranger team, with with a lot of the young talent that they have, and all the and with a player like Panarin being a part of it as well, that we're gonna have more and more opportunities to talk Ranger hockey uh, as this season does go along. Listen, I, I, and that's the, one of the reasons we started Blue Shirts Breakaway is because we a big sports radio guy, and I know the Rangers like don't get like the the famous WFAN quote is nobody cares about hockey boomer, and like that's like that's what everyone says. 
So even back when the Rangers were good making cup runs with Henrik Lundqvist, I feel like they just didn't get a lot of airtime. But this team, for some reason, already, even though the cup contention, the cup contention like isn't here yet, yes, Henrik Lundqvist is no longer with the team. Yes, it's very upsetting what's happening to him. But the fun level difference between the 2014 and 2015 Rangers, which one of those teams won a President's Cup. It was fun. It was great. But the, yeah. ho- the hope that this team has and like the, the ceiling that this team has is a totally different feeling. Like the fun, the fun levels are night and day difference. I, and I know like one of those teams won a President's Cup, but like this has a number one overall pick. And and if Capacaco and Lafreniere turn out to be Sidney Crosby and Malkin, like we're talking 15 years here of like your life of possible dominance. That's insane. We've never had something like that before as a Ranger fan. Well, right. I think you're right because I love those Ranger teams, but there was such a small avenue to victory, right? They had to play a certain style. They were blocking shots. You had McDonough that was playing with a broken foot and getting his, his foot frozen before the game. You know, and you know when they added a guy and make the trade for Martin San Louis, that was supposed to be, and he had, did have that one good run before he aged right before our very eyes, but there was such a small avenue for the Rangers to win games. They needed the timely goaling. They needed solid defense. They were blocking shots, and they needed Hank to be brilliant. And more often than not, Henrik Lundqvist was brilliant. When you look at this team, the potential there is to blow teams out of the building. I mean, to you know, I, I when I when I grew up in in the Penguins were the Penguins. You had Mario Lemieux, you had Yarmir Yager, you had Paul Coffey on defense. Uh, and when they acquired him from the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, that team was absolutely loaded, and they were scoring goals in bunches. And that's what this team can do. I mean, the potential is there for this team to be that kind of a team, a dynastic team, a team that can win three Stanley Cups in the span of five years, to be the best team in the Eastern Conference, the best team in the National Hockey League. Their potential is there. Now, they need a lot of these guys to realize their potential, but when I'm looking at Panarin and Zibanejad, they've already realized that Chris Kreider's game has evolved. And then you throw in Alexei Lafreniere, you throw in Kapokako to a lesser extent. You have Pavel Buchnevich on defense. You've seen the young defenseman already. I'm excited with 20-year-old Keandre Miller, uh, you know, former Wisconsin Badger, the first-round pick in 2018, what he can do this year. The potential there is for this team to be that kind of a team. And I think that's what has Ranger fans excited throughout the tri-state area. Mark, I got to ask, yeah. I, 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 if I go any further in this interview and I don't ask this specific question, I will, I will be very upset with what myself. What do we got? Uh-oh, here we go. What do we got, Greg? <laughs> Is WFAN, and are you personally prepared for overly confident and happy Met fans calling you every day? Um, I am. I mean, listen, I, I, listen, I grew up a Yankee fan, but I work for SNY, right? I worked for the fan. Before the fan was the, you know, the radio home of the Yankees, it was the radio home of the Mets. I feel good for the Met fan, Greg. I, I do. I mean, I, I'm happy that the Met fan is happy. I'm happy that they're ecstatic about having Lindor and and adding May and McCann um, and and Cookie Carrasco to the starting rotation. That's great because it's great to have in this city when the teams are good. And and that we're talking Ranger hockey and the potential for this Ranger team, not just to be a playoff team, but uh, maybe having a run of dominance in the National Hockey League, that's exciting. With the Islanders, they're a really good hockey team. The Devils need to bounce forward. When you look at the Yankees, the Yankees are a consistently 100-plus win team, and the Mets had that run in 2015 to the World Series and then losing the wild card the next year to the San Francisco Giants, but it's been more of coulda, woulda, shoulda for the Mets. So, yeah, I, I mentally prepared it. I think we've gotten a lot of jubilant Met fans, Greg. I'm sure. Are you a Met fan as well? Oh Met Ranger God. fan? <laughs> Mark, this show, it's a, jo- it's a joke, man. But, like, we, we do a Rangers show that's all just, like, really just a Mets podcast. Like, I don't give a uh, – I'm going to curse. I don't give a shit about the Mets, like, at all. But he loves the Mets so much that we can't avoid talking about them at all. It just doesn't but, happen. But what's, your, but what's your number one passion, hockey or baseball? But for me, no, it's, it's not – for him, it's baseball. It's not even close. For me, it's okay. Rangers. Okay, for you, it's Rangers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the show. That's what we do. Well, I so. mean, right now is your glory, Greg. Who do you root for in basketball? Are you a basketball fan? Uh, We're I, hitting Knicks fans. The Knicks have yet to give me a reason to be a basketball <laughs> fan. But they're, right, well, they're working on it. They're working well, on it. At least it. they won today, earlier today. Um, I saw that. On this holiday. What about uh, football? Are you a football fan? I love the thir- the 16 teams I gamble on every week. I love every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the right attitude to have. There you go. I can understand that. That's fair. That's all fair. Lo- loves That's them all, all personally. Fair. I would like to see um, the Jets do something right. 
That's it. I maybe maybe trade for Deshaun Watson. Who knows? Maybe do something right. You'll probably get twenty-seven calls on that tomorrow. Absolutely. Well, if they if they acquired Deshaun Watson, I, I think it would probably be wall to wall football on the midday show with Maggie. Um, How could you miss yeah, it? Yeah. Well, yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. He's got to he's got to request a trade. He's got to waive his no trade clause and then be willing to go to the Jets as well. But. Uh, he would be wonderful. I think the Jets do have are going in the right direction, though. I think Douglas and Robert Salah are a good. Oh, they're new coaches. Amazing man. Yeah, that's a yes. good, that's a good guy. So I'm with uh, you. I'm happy for them because uh, the Adam Gase hiring moment one. It was like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? I know. I hated that hire from the word go. I hated that hire. I had people tell me, "Ah, give him a chance. You know, maybe no. learn from Miami nonsense. The same, the same stuff that and the same issues he had down in Miami he had here in New York." It's so funny how that just happens with coaches. Like, oh, no, just give them a chance. They were terrible somewhere else. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, Maybe it was there was a reason. Who knows about that? Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys. You think we were talking about Quinn before. Do you think Quinn's the right coach for this team? We, this is something we go back and forth on, I think. And I, I just can't give you the answer. I wish I could tell you right now, like, this is the guy. I think he lacks in the X's and O's. He definitely lacks in the analytics department, but that's not weird in hockey. Like, nobody really knows analytics unless you're in Toronto and you're the GM there. But outside of that, like, he's shown great development for certain players. He's gotten the most out of Pavel Buchnevich. He's gotten the most out of Adam Fox. Ryan Lindgren was supposed to be not a fringe NHLer and has held his own, and that's under Quinn. There's been a lot of great development under Quinn. There's been some negatives, but I just don't know if what, what the most important thing for us, Mark, has to be his adjustments. When you see a, a playoff series like Carolina where they just get hammered, and there's there could be a lot of reasons that they weren't ready. You know, they were playing in a bubble. It was a pandemic. The kids weren't ready. All, all these reasons. But the adjustments he's going to make over this season, because you're pretty much playing seven playoff series in a row. That's it. You're just playing all the same seven teams over and over again. And teams are going to know your tricks, what you do well, and they're going to take away what you do well very easily. So I have to see what Quinn does to adjust to other coaches adjusting to him and adjust back. I know it's like an inception sort of thing, but I haven't seen his like strategy, his um, his system yet in place. And I, that's what I'm really curious to see. If, if, if Quinn can really outsmart other coaches like Barry Trotz, which he did again this weekend. Barry was stuck with a goaltender who had 10 minutes to prepare, but Barry Trotz is one of the best coaches in the league. He's going to have to play him six more times. And at the end, yeah. at the end of that, I'll, I'll have a really good idea if Quinn is ready to go to war in, and open this window for the playoffs. Yeah, no, no, and, and Ryan, I think that's a fair one to look at. Uh, I think you're you'll learn. I think you'll learn about some of the guys on this team as as we go along this season. I think you'll learn about Quinn, um, and hopefully, as this season goes along, I agree with you about your point about adjustments uh, in game, before game, uh, game plans going in because of the repetitive nature that you're going to see teams this year. Uh, it's going to be highly important for Quinn to understand that. And uh, I think you gave a great scouting report of what you want to see from the Ranger coach the rest of the way. I have yeah, a- I think with what not to cut you off, Ryan, but yeah, I think with do. just to put the bow on Quinn, it's going to sound weird. I think coming out of my mouth, but I, I, I'm pretty sure this is what I mean. I think David Quinn is the right coach for right now, whereas yeah. th- this is this is the guy that I have faith can get young players to where they need to be in order to be ready for a playoff atmosphere. But I still have no idea if David Quinn is going to be a playoff coach for the New York Rangers. You know what? I, I think it's it's fair. I feel bad. You know what, Greg? I, I do feel bad because it kind of brings up the Kenny Atkinson uh, example with the Brooklyn Nets. Now I know they've completely changed over their team where they got rid of all those young players, but the knock on Atkinson was he's a great talent developer, right? Get the best out of guys, but when they're ready to win, you need to bring another head coach in. And I felt bad for Atkinson because I think sometimes you get pigeonholed like that, but – I think it's a fair assertion here on Quinn. Um, I think he deserves an opportunity to fail with this team before we kind of make that declaration for sure. Uh, But the younger players, some of them are developing. But the big key is going to be here. We can talk about Lindgren. We can talk about Buchnevich. You know, the impact players are Capo Caco and Alexei Lafreniere. And, you know, the, the, the big, the big key for this organization, and you guys know this better than anybody else, is those guys becoming, the players, the Rangers believe that they can be as the second overall and first overall pick in back-to-back drafts. So it's going to be highly important for Quinn and his staff, for those guys and those guys individually to get better and better. And I think Kako looks a lot better this year than he did last year, even though he flashed at times last year through two games. I like what Capo Kako has shown you on the ice so far, even with one of those games being a 5 nothing loss to the Islanders. 
But that's going to be kind of a measuring stick for, for Quinn and the staff as well, because those guys have got to be the impact. And not just for, you know, game in and game out. They're expected to be, you know, NHL stars. Um, and he's got to get those guys to where they need to be. And it's going to be highly important for the staff to do that. I have two two more quick questions. One, you brought up the Nets. Is it you work at the fan? So what? Take the yeah. temperature pulse here. Like, is is the Nets like? Is is the city actually excited? They have Katie and Harden, but yet I find myself not caring. And I know that sounds freaking weird. Well, no, you know what, Ryan? I I think it's fair. I was saying this to somebody the other day. It's almost like people outside of New York City care more about the Brooklyn Nets than people in New York City care about the Brooklyn Nets. It's perfect. And they're more of a national story than mm. they are a local story because I don't think there's any doubt about it that the the New York Knicks are the city's team. I grew up a Knicks fan. First playoff game I ever went to, my mom scalped tickets outside Madison Square Garden. It was late 80s. It was seeing Knicks and Celtics in a playoff series when the Celtics had, you know, Mikhail, Bird, Robert Parrish, and, uh, you know, and, and the like. So – you know, that's uh, so I'm a lifelong Nick fan. I don't hate on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, the fan is the home of the Brooklyn Nets. I root for their success, but there's a level to their popularity. It was in Jersey. Hasn't really changed all that much in Brooklyn. I think there's general interest. And when you have guys like Durant and Harden and Kyrie Irving, they're three very, very polari- polarizing individuals for, for a myriad of different reasons that we don't necessarily have to get into. But um, I, I think the Brooklyn Nets are are at a level here of popularity that, yeah, I think they're going to be a, a, a key watch, a must watch. They're going to be entertaining, but are they ever going to take over New York City? No, I, I don't think that's really ever going to happen because at the core of it, I think New York City, and when you look at the basketball fan, they're Nick fans more often than not. They have to win yeah, like just, two or three straight just, titles. That's the only way. I, well, I just I can't get over the fact that in New York City, New York City is host to basketball players like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And I guarantee you, I've seen more headlines about Emmanuel quickly than either of those players in the last week. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, th- but here's the deal, Greg. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm starving, right? I mean, I, right. you know, you know, I am. I, I I like the fact that Thibodeau's there. I understand the stars are not walking through the building and and walking through those doors to to resurrect and save this Nick franchise. I'm just looking for progress for the Knicks. So, yeah, I'll take a good night from Emmanuel quickly or whether it be Alfred Payton or that Julius Randle's playing like an all-star. I know the Knicks are not particularly good, um, but I'll take those baby steps moving forward as long as they're moving forward. But if Kyrie We've and Katie so much if, about – Hold on. If Kyrie and Katie, Katie signed with the Knicks – like what they were supposed oh. to up until the last second, you would never take another call. Like there would be no reason to talk about any other sport. It would just be that. That would be the only thing that would be going on at the fan. It would be unbelievable. You're not wrong about that. You're not wrong because, and and I think that there are times where Maggie and I will talk about the Nets and, you know, we'll get a smattering of net calls. And then when the Knicks got off to that five and three start here, we opened up talking about the Knicks and we got wall-to-wall net calls. So, and I'm not saying judging phone calls to WFAN right. is, is telling you about the popularity. I mean, it just sometimes people just listen, though they don't want to call. So you're looking at a small percentage of, of listeners that, that actually call WFAN. But it just shows you, you know, just where the Knicks fan is or where the Knicks, even though they've been dreadful and really poorly run, they're still a really popular franchise within New York City. Well, we spent the majority of this podcast talking about David Quinn, and I – I guess this just reinforces it. The difference that is made by just having an adult like Tom Thibodeau coaching the New York Knicks is incredible. Oh, it is. You know why? Because you have an identity. You know, we were talking about Quinn and adjustments. What's the identity, you know, the Rangers here are going to be moving forward? It's going to be defined by their young players. Panarin gives them an identity. Zabenejad gives them an identity. Thibodeau and the Knicks don't have nearly, I mean, they don't have a tenth of the talent the Rangers have, right? The Rangers have got a lot of physically gifted young players that we all want to see grow, mature, and get better before our very eyes. That's what's so exciting about this Ranger team because when you, you start to see young stars develop, you know, you're kind of emotionally uh, invested in them long term. So I get that, and I feed into it, and I love it. For the Rangers, for the Knicks, though, they haven't really had an identity as a basketball team. There hasn't been a lot of talent. When they've had talent, they've been poorly coached. And and Thibodeau's going to give this uh, this young team a, an identity. They're going to defend. They're going to be held accountable. You hope, just like when we were talking about Quinn, that the young players do develop for the Knicks. Uh, and that's why you've seen all the the heat around Emmanuel quickly and 
Uh, that's why Nick fans were excited when uh, Obi Toppin dropped to them with the, what, eighth overall pick in the NBA draft. The Nick fan is starving, and I think they're looking at Thibodeau as a guy that can help lead the way out of the darkness as a Nick fan to where this team, instead of being the laughing stock as an organization that they've been, that maybe there'll be some credibility in the not so distant future. Well, Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time today and I cannot wait to hopefully see your face at MSG when we are eventually allowed back in for a Knicks or a Ranger game, whichever comes first. It's going to be a, a tremendous, the first night at the garden for the Rangers, the, when you're allowed to pack the house again, is going to be one of the best nights of my life. Just like straight up, not bar none. They better win. I, you know what, Ron? I think I might cry. Yeah, I can't real. wait. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be, and uh, I think it's going to be great. I can't wait. Watching games, like, you know, watching old games during the pandemic, whether it be Ranger games or Nick games and watching the Madison Square Garden packed, it seemed odd. It seemed weird. It I want to get back to normalcy at some point in time. And it's great that sports is, is being able and guys and athletes are making the sacrifices in order to go out there and play for our enjoyment. Um, but watching this Ranger team, I'm really excited about what they potentially can be um, and what these young guys are going to be because you know, as a, as a Ranger fan, it was always trying to trade for the guy, right? They made the trade for Mark Messier. That's why Brian Leach is so loved because he was a guy that came through the USA program. They drafted, came here, was an absolute star, Mike Richter. But oftentimes it was them trading for star players to come here, like Rick Nash. Um, you know, it's great that Panarin's great. The trade that they made for Zibanejad with Ottawa, was, and he's developed and become a, a fantastic player for this team. There's something different when you draft guys like watching Kreider finally become the player that we expect him to be when he was a first-round pick and watching guys like, um, and hopefully, Keandre Miller and uh, Alexei Lafreniere and Capo Caco become the impact players we expect expect them to be. That's going to be watch exciting to watch these guys on a, a game in game out basis. My man, we literally started a religion around Capo Caco last year. Not not a joke. I love it. Not a joke. Actually happened. So that's awesome. <laughs> church church churchacaco.com. Go there oh, right, awesome. right now. It's a legit. It's a legit religion. There you go. Um, there you go. It, yeah, man. It's it's the homegrown kids. We have a lot of them still number two, number two or number one farm system in the league. So we'll see what happens. Mark, why don't you go ahead and give us a plug on everything you do and where people can find you? Yeah. Um, well, I'm on the the fan ten to two Monday through Friday on WFAN. Moose and Maggie is the program. You can check us out if you can't listen on 1019 or 660 AM. You can listen on radio.com on. I'm on SNY uh, every night, Geico Sports Night. Uh, that show comes your way at 11 o'clock. I'll be on there later on tonight. I'm not sure what we'll be talking about, but uh, that's coming your way three hours from now. So uh, kind of all over the place, keeping it uh, keeping it busy as best we can. That's what we all do, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We really can't thank you enough. Ryan, Greg, my pleasure, man. Anytime, all right? Be Have well. Doing, Continued success. Will do. <laughs> Bye. Hey, we're back. That was an awesome interview with Mark from uh, WFN, the Midday Show with Maggie, of course. Go check him out there. Uh, is, it, is it weird that we're talking to people we used to listen to at this point? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this on the pod before. That but we're nobody's like, in this fucking podcast, This podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for WFAN in the early 90s, or, or late 90s, early 2000s. Like, I grew up on Sports Time Radio. I don't think the podcasting industry exists without that style of sports radio. Um yeah, dude, like, I can't remember a time in my life when I wasn't in the car with my dad and we weren't listening to Joe and Evan or Mike and the Mad Dog. Or if we're driving home from a Met game, we're listening to Ed Coleman do the rap, and then after Ed Coleman is Steve Summers. Uh-huh. Like, I, you grow up – You, I went to bed listening to WFAN. Like, that is how I I did, too. I had a radio in the room. I didn't even have the TV on. I just left the fan on. That's yeah. all I have. Sports Radio 66, 66 w- The Fan. WFN. Dude, when I worked construction, I had a little like walkie-talkie thing or whatever. It was like yeah. a, a shitty FM radio that I'd leave in on my ear the whole day. It was the best. The Fan was the yeah. best. I, I, don't, I, I am who I am today because I listened to so much of WFAN growing up. So much fun. All right. Uh, all that being said, we're going to do some five-star questions to get out of your ears for right now. Uh, we have Rock Lobster pretty much asked, setting up Laugh to Fail. Uh, love Frenier, that is. Hey, guys, love the podcast. Never miss an episode. Please continue to do what you do. Going from juniors to playing the NHL with no preseason games and shortened training camp, are we setting Lafreniere up to fail? Dude, Lafreniere looks like a 15-year vet after two games. Like, that kid could play hockey in his sleep better than I could ever do anything in my life. We're good. Don't worry. Yeah, it's I, – I, every time he takes the ice, I have to remind myself that this is the first overall pick who is 19 years old playing for the Rangers. He looks – he, he just looks the part, right? Yep. He's one of those guys that doesn't have an adjustment period. He looks ready to go. 
And we're going to get this for at least the next 15 years, we hope. I'm sure he'll struggle at some point, and you can call me out and whatever, clip this, but I'm not worried, okay? Hey, if you, I forgot to say, if you want to leave a five-star question, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, read them on the show. It's what we do. Here's actually, a, 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 I think, a, a nice roast is kind of what people were doing still. Uh, the, Wayne, oh, no. the Wayne's World of Hockey Podcast. Blue Shirts Breakaway has the same energy and tone as Wayne's World TV show, with Brian being Wayne and Greg being Garth, if Garth had grown up in New York and forced to ride the A-Train the entire time in order to get to work. I think that was nice. Um hmm. This is from Jose, New York Ranger fan in New Jersey. Very specific. Hey, guys. This is uh, His question is about New York Rangers and LAK, the Kings. Hey, guys. Long time, first time. Or is it first time, long time? Ah, little FWFN trivia there, I guess. Hey. Uh, nice job. Anyway, with all the stories coming out about the New York Rangers and the Kings had the best prospects in the league and such, do you think both teams are on a crash course to meet up again in the finals in the future? Actually, I hate this question. <laughs> I, um, I, I, mean, I mean, New York seems to be a little more ahead, but more competitive currently, but am I crazy for thinking of this? I know virtually none of the players are left over except for Chris Kreider, but I still want revenge. Love the podcast, guys. Keep up the great coverage of the Mets. I mean, <laughs> the Rangers. Well, to take the baseball comparison. I shut up. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I was going to say. The Mets and Kansas City Royals? No, for every team, for, no, the, the Mets never had a top farm system when they met the Royals. That's, That's the true. thing. But, like, you look at a team like the Dodgers and the Astros, who did have top farm systems, and it did eventually meet in the World Series. I'd say that rarely happens in other sports. Yeah, it happens um, way more in baseball than it does in hockey. That's for absolutely yeah, sure. Like, could Trevor, uh, could Turcotte turn into a Sidney Crosby-level player? Possibly. But, I mean, look at look at the Oilers. The, the Oilers have hit on more draft picks than they've missed, and they still can't get over the hump. So I, I, while it's exciting to have the top farm system, it's important to remember that when you have the top farm system, it's not about graduating all those players yourself. It's about trading those players for the pieces you feel you need. Um, so, yeah, the, the Rangers and the Kings are perfectly positioned to take advantage of other NHL teams, but I don't think those two teams having – the clear number one and number two farm systems is a guarantee of them one day meeting in a Stanley cup final, because you know, a lot of, obviously guys, a lot of things have to go, has to go right just for the Rangers, let alone the Kings. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's always interesting to see what the teams with top farm systems choose to do. Like what are the Ottawa senators going to do with all the things they well, have? The Ottawa the senators cover? because they're in Ottawa and because of their owner, they have no choice, but to develop and then trade them. That's, exactly. <laughs> that's it. Like that's all you can Rin, do. Rinse, rinse, repeat. So that's your life cycle there. Uh, this is from uh, John Robert 95. Things better than this podcast. This is a rose, by the way. Jacksonville, Florida, the Wilpon era Mets, Capococco's rookie season. Okay, that was pretty funny. Uh, Will, <laughs> Will Farrow's character on the on the office. Ryan's dad's commitment to the family. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. George R. Biggs and Jock Johnson's defense. That was it. That was pretty good. Oof. That was some. That Oof. was. There were some good hits there. Well, uh, Oof. rookie season and my dad's commitment to my family is pretty good, along with Jacksonville. That was pretty funny. And I like how you said Jacksonville and Florida like separate of each other. <laughs> that was good. All right, uh, this is from Senior Rico Suave. Hey guys, long time listener, mm. first time caller. Wow, a lot of I like this WFAN style we're going with today. Love the podcast and thank you for all the work you guys put in and give all and give us all the kind of Ranger contents in this hellscape of an off season. Thank you. I hadn't thought last night. And I, I ask only to torture Ryan. If Kako okay. in his career ends up peaking as Rick Nash 2.0, do you consider him a bust? <laughs> also asking this question, does it mean I'm excommunicated from the Church of Kako? Praise be. No, you're allowed to ask the hard questions at Church of Kako. We are accepting of all. That's what we do. And yes, if he ends up as Rick Nash 2.0, I, I, would, I would consider it a failure. I would like him to be a little bit better than Rick Nash. Even though Rick Nash... What the fuck is wrong with you? Even though Rick Nash had a lovely career. <laughs> yeah, you want him to be. Hold on, I need to pull this up. You want him to be a little bit better Rick than a guy are who posted. He's surprisingly low. The point totals are shockingly low. I'm just saying they are. Okay, I just I just want to double check. So you would be disappointed in Rick Nash's age 19 season. He had 41 goals and 57 points. That would disappoint you, Kakapakako. <laughs> okay. He had 41 his, goals. His, in his age <laughs> his oh age God. 21 season, the first year back uh -huh. from the. Uh -huh. uh, Lockout. Yeah. Thirty-one goals, fifty-four points. That would disappoint you. No, I would take that right now, Capocaco. Would actually... you? Would you be upset if at age twenty-four, Capocaco posted a forty-goal, seventy-nine-point season? Actually, that I, would I bum would, you out. Where do I sign? Um, for this, like right now, can I, where can I Cap, sign uh, up for this? If Capocaco posted, on, let's count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, out. seven, eight. 
30 plus okay. goal seasons. That would disappoint okay. you. I, I'm going to sign right here. I would take, okay, let's write this mm-hmm. down. I would take Kapokako yep. being Rick Nash 2.0 after year one. Okay, there you go. I signed it. Here we go. Congratulations, wow. Senior Rick <laughs> It makes you think. Uh, this last question is about David Quinn and I don't even want to read it because it's like, is he the right coach for the team? And we talked about it a lot, but I will read it very quickly. This is goalie, the goaltender Kako is coming off the worst per- uh, per- performance of any highly touted rookie in the NHL period. Hayek and how continue to struggle finding their identity. Uh, the Rangers boss, Leas Anderson is it pretty much keeps going and naming all of Quinn's supposed failures. Is Quinn really the guy right now for the job? We talked about this a lot. We can't, you can't, we can't be misunderstood at this point. And we can come back and continue to evaluate Quinn throughout this whole year. And I hope you write us back later this year and rub it in our face. But it's just now, now's not the right time. And Greg, you made the point earlier. He's the coach for right now. That's exactly it. Yeah. It, do I think David Quinn is capable of winning a Stanley Cup? I have no idea. I hope to find out. I think he should be given the opportunity to coach this team through a playoff. And if it goes horrifically wrong, then I guess you make a change, but he's done really well with developing the really young talent on this roster. I think he's earned the opportunity to prove whether he can do it. And this year is complete. Like you've said, free roll of the dice. The Rangers aren't going to make a coaching change this year. They're also not going to make a coaching change based on how they do this year. Next year is his make or break year. And we're going to find out a lot. So it's, you know, I, I, I don't think the Rangers need to do anything else in the meantime. That's it for the show this week. You can follow me on, on Twitter at Orion Media. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We're trying to do more fun stuff, both of us. Stimulus Breakaway. Got some videos coming out. Got Might do a, might do a charity drive for Jack Johnson jersey, I guess. Who knows? Um, so uh, stay tuned. And uh, Greg, I know you were also on our friend. Or I'll, give, uh, I'll give Andrew a shout out. You were on our friend Chell Squared podcast over the weekend. And I uh, heard great things. I didn't listen, but I heard great things. So if I also I also didn't listen, but I also heard great things. You were there. Um, no, no. Uh, Andrew Andrew's good people. It was it was a fun conversation. It there was a lot of overreaction to everything. It it essentially was um, Andrew was really upset, and he was asking me to play the role of nice guy, uh, voice of reason, hmm. and. I got to tell you, that's not my strong suit. I was about to say, it doesn't seem like – I tell him I'm sorry I couldn't go on because it seems like we should have gone the other way around. That's not how this works. All right, It's man. okay. I, it, it's me It's me trying to uh, expand my palate. It, it works out. All right. Uh, let's go Mets. Let's go Rangers. And uh, we'll be back later this week with a reaction to the Devils game and uh, our instant reaction and gut reaction to what the Ranger fans should think then. Bye, guys. Love you. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.